was Pink Floyd and it totally goes in because the shoe's about to drop. Yesterday was a very somber day. Um, many of you picked up. <laughs> uh, we did talk about Hinkley. We have seen a lot of things. And the only way to force someone into a situation or a place is to make something mandatory. I'm just going to leave it at that. And so all of us need to focus and pray for the safety of the Trump family as they gather. Very important. Ivana was a great person. Um, there was a video I shared and I want to play it uh, just so that you can see what an amazing woman she is. I shared it yesterday on my Telegram feed. Very somber day yesterday. Uh, and all of you did hear the, the song that I wrote. But you can only get so much to a destination when that is up. So today we're going to be talking about something that a lot of people, the conspiracy theorists have started to have you focus on the wrong thing. But let's just look at who Ivana Trump was aside from being, uh, I, I believe the first love of president Trump's, uh, she was smart. She was elegant and you could see her face. She always held Donald, as she said, very dear to her heart. You love your dogs. I love my dogs, yes. After all these years, Ivana Trump walking her toy Yorkie in her leopard print coat on the Tony East side of New York still evokes the lifestyles of the rich. This is all Ivana. Yeah. And I was all for $40 million for you. If not quite as famous. But at 68, more than a quarter century after her marriage to Donald Trump broke up, Ivana says she doesn't miss a thing. Do you miss the old life? The old life? Life with Donald. I don't, no. Nothing really changed. I have a beautiful home here. I have a spectacular apartment in Miami. I have a 300-year-old fisherman houses in in harbor of the Saint-Tropez. What more can I, uh, can I have? Still, as satisfied as she is with all she has. A lot of this happened because of Donald. A lot of happened with Donald, yes. She wants to make something perfectly clear. So I want you guys to just focus on her face as she speaks about President Trump. And now with the whole Marla Maples thing, she was convinced that she worked really, really hard to get President Trump. And she still hones that 100% because, like she says, there were so many. Regardless of how it may or may not have happened, you know, breath is something that we take with us. 
He wouldn't be who he is without you. That's for sure. Especially when it comes to their children. She's written a new book, Raising Trump, inspired, she says, by watching her three kids, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Eric, during the campaign. And I was very, very proud of them because they were articulate, intelligent. And so you thought, wait a minute, if we're going to talk about who raised the Trump kids. It was definitely me. The book includes stories many parents can relate to. Ivanka, she was like 14, and her hair was blue. So I freaked Ivanka out, Ivanka came home with blue hair? Blue hair. And a few most certainly cannot. I was in first class, and kids were in the economy. So you're in first yeah. class, the kids the are in kids coach. kids were in economy, in and, coach. And were they learning a lesson that way? Well, I think so. Ivanka wanted to have an upgrade one day. I said, when you can afford it, you get upgrade. I'm sitting in first class, I afford it, you're sitting in the economy. It's been 41 years since Savannah, a model from what's now the Czech Republic, got a life-changing tap on the shoulder in a New York City night spot. So I turn around, and there is a blonde, blonde, blue-eyed guy, and he said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, my name is Donald Trump, and I can see the girls you are looking for the table. And I turned to my girlfriend and said, I have a good news and bad news. What is the good news? You're going to get a table real fast. What is the bad news? This fellow behind me is going to go and sit with us. They would marry eight months later in 1977 and become the boldest of New York City's bold-faced names in the 80s. The spotlight could be harsh. We should have world record-setting fights, but we really don't. We showed her a nearly 30-year-old clip from Oprah. We get along very well, and there's not a lot of disagreement because ultimately, Ivana does exactly as I tell her to do. <laughs> All right. Hold on for a second. You're still laughing, but a lot of you heard the audience. A yeah. lot of groans. Well, I, I don't really care, you know. Did you feel that was disrespectful? Maybe it was, you know, but it re- didn't bother me. It all blew apart in the early 1990s when Donald Trump's affair with Marla Maples led to an ugly divorce featuring three straight months of humiliating New York City tabloid covers. Well, she's, I don't want to talk about her. She's a showgirl, never achieved anything in her life. Today, Ivana won't even call Maples by name. It may take two to tango, but only one to be blamed. In the book, She gets the blame. Well, she was flirting. I mean, I think she was flirting and and, and she got away with it. Do you blame him when you think about it now? I'm not sure because Donna would get a thousand uh, business cards in the pockets every night. He could choose any girl he wanted to have. So I'm not sure if she was, or it would be another one, it would be another one. I really don't know. Though the terms of her divorce were sealed, Ivana Trump clearly walked away from her marriage with enough to cushion the pain. And if she'll never forgive his second wife, she has no issues with his third. You get along with Melania, though, don't you? I get along with Melania, yes. What's the difference there? The one is nobody, and the other one is first lady. Maybe it's not divorce as many have lived it. But as she's proven for the last three-plus decades, Ivana doesn't do common. 
you write, my instincts tell me Donald was smart and funny and an all-American good guy. Yes. Were your instincts right? Yes. You still feel that way about him? Yes, I do. Is he still a big part of your life? Yeah, he is. He is. In what way? Well, we, we speak to each other. How often? Yeah, maybe once a week. He asks for your advice. And he, he's still asking me for advice, yes. He, what will he ask you yeah, your advice about? He, he asked me about, uh, should I tweet, should I not tweet? I said, I think you should tweet. It's a new way, new technology. And if you want to get your uh, uh, words across rightly without telling the New York Times, which is going to twist every single word of yours, this is how you get your message out. Ivan, I think so many people, mm -hmm. Democrats, Republicans, allies, critics, have said, Mr. President, stop tweeting. Well, it's a tweeting president. This is his new way how to put the message across, and he's right. Ivana Trump can only talk politics so much. To be a successful president, he's right. got to get people behind him. He has the people behind him. Do you think it bothers him that the polls suggest that there are more people that disapprove than approve? I really don't know, and I don't really care. Congratulations, Mr. President. Yeah! After all, that's his life now, not hers. She moved on to selling several lines of Ivana-branded products and books. She married and divorced twice after Donald and doesn't mind letting you know she's still not hurting for company. You do like the energy of a younger man. Uh, yes. Yes, I'd rather be a babysitter than a nursemaid. <laughs> I love her. And I don't need to worry about the the bad knee and bad back and Viagra and all that stuff. So. No, Ivana so Trump badass. likes her life just fine. Her new one, which is a lot like the old one, without the complications. I was just offered to be American ambassador to Czech Republic. And Donald told me, Ivana, if you want it, I give it to you. But I like my freedom. Okay, why would I go and say bye-bye to Miami in the winter, bye-bye to Saint-Tropez in the summer, and bye-bye to the spring and fall in New York? I have a perfect life. And that just reinforces why did President Trump do this, right? She made it clear he did it for love of country. And that iconic picture of him hugging the flag will always be my favorite because of that. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, a screenshot of some text that's going around that everyone's losing their mind and they're talking about children because there's baby feet when those feet were for dancing uh, and what was being done. See, this is the problem. The shoe's about to drop. The concern that I have is that certain events like, uh, you know, marriages and, 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 and birthdays and funerals gather a lot of people in one area. And, you know, those are very, very penetrated and very, very hard to keep controlled. So yesterday I was really busy because we all have to be paying attention to things. Uh, we have to be paying attention to make sure that, you know, you know what? It's like this. I remember, uh, let me kind of make it a little bit simpler. So uh, back in 2021, after the, uh, in February of 2021, um, 
an asset of the agency was obviously working with Bergie and trying to get me to go somewhere. It's going to be a big event. We're going to be talking. You're going to get paid, whatever, right? The thing is, when people try to get you to an event, they usually have things orchestrated. And um, that's a problem. For example, my daughter's sweet 16. On that day, I was actually poisoned. It was something inevitable. I wasn't not going to have my daughter's sweet 16 party. It's not like I could have done it under cloak and dagger anyway. And it was an open event only to people that were invited. So, you know, things like that, gatherings that are inevitable are a problem. And this is why you're seeing the news circulating something we should not be focusing on. What we should be focusing on is safety and the fuck they will. So, hence my day off yesterday. I was working on my case, kind of, but I actually got sick to my stomach trying to listen. I'm going to leave it at that. Now, that's this, there's this um, text. Let me put it on the screen so people can see it. Give me a moment. Let me find it. Let me add it up here which is driving the internet crazy and we're talking about saving the children and that's because people don't get it. Um, they really don't and that's unfortunate. When are you going to stop looking at these red stringers and pay attention to what it really is? And unfortunately, you know, these red stringers actually do rely on Google. So, uh, you know, I guess I'm the Google queen, right? That's, that's what everyone says. I, I'm the Google queen. And therefore, you know, I am able to maneuver Google and others cannot. Such bullshit. Anyway, continuing on. I'm trying to get this image up for you guys. Oh my gosh. It just doesn't want to get up for me. Are you kidding? Can I, um, damn it. Why is it not working? Like I deleted all of these things. Like how much more do I have to delete? Um, should I delete this? Delete. All right. Let's try that. I'm sorry. Um, it's like the computer doesn't want me to put it up. I've deleted three files. You've got a hundred images. It says you can't have this. <sighs> I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see. Um, can I delete that? Let me see. I'm sorry, guys. This is taking forever. Ugh. Technical difficulties. Okay, is that better? Damn it. It's like it doesn't want to show. Seriously. It's driving me insane. Oh, I know what I'll do. I can just do that. So, I figured out a way to do it. <laughs> so, all right. So, here we are. I wanted to kind of make mention to you, if you remember, I have spent time in places like Pakistan and in, well, a lot of places, actually, a lot of places. So I'm going to help educate you guys on what you are seeing. So acha, acha is a Punjabi term for yeah. Acha. 
Acha, let's go. Means good, 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 good. Acha, good. That's what it means. Good. Good. So this text is making rounds and people are losing their mind. They see a transaction uh, of communication here saying another heart made the trade. When? 1459, exhale. Put it up by all means. Acha. Cockahoop. Little dance. Cockahoop. And so people are making this sexual. And that is exactly, that is exactly what the deep state wants. It's so complicated yet so simple, right? They try to make this look like they're talking about kids and, and, and sex and stealing lives and hearts, which is fucking bullshit, right? And this tells you who actually knows what the fuck is going on and who doesn't, okay? But what this text exchange explains to you, okay, is that we have names, dates, and times. Bingo. I mean, you can't get any more solid case filing. You're fucked, uh, you know, evidence. This is it. What are you talking about, Tori? Well, you know, all these people, they know what they're talking about, right? <laughs> they're all smart because you see them, uh, you know, hanging around or taking pictures with people that you think are also smart because you've given them that power to think that they're better than you. You're not. And I love the fact that Pink Floyd said the same thing we've been saying. We are the many, they are the few. And the few doesn't just include the losers that are stealing from the people every day, the losers that have enslaved you, okay? You are better than every single pundit out there. You are stronger than every single person that is in an alleged elected position. You have more power than you know. And unfortunately, you know, it has been diluted because you go down these rabbit holes. So what I'm going to do is I am going to uh, put this here. I'm going to, I really want to see honest, honest, and no shame here. No shame here because I want to, I want you guys to learn right? I'm going to leave this up here and we're going to play a little ditty song, right? Just a, just a song. Um, and I'll make it, (laughs) there's no, this is going to be totally random, has nothing to do with, um, what we're talking about today. Uh, the music is not part of this segment, if that makes sense to you. So we're just going to play a little song in the background. One of my favorites on a low volume. And I want you guys to look at that text exchange, and I want you to tell me what you think is being said. Honestly, like what is your first grasp or what did you hear or anything? I want you guys to put it on the chat. And because there's a 30 second delay, I will be reading those and I will be noting some of the important things. I want you guys to be completely honest. There's no shaming here. Keep the comments coming.
All right. So during that interlude, I was jotting down some of the usual suspects. You know, this is why people don't like me. Okay. And I get it. You hate mirrors. I'm okay with that. Those that claim they love God, those that claim they have all knowing knowledge and those that claim that they're important, they're actually fucking not. Because the instant I saw that and, you know, I get on truth every now and then and I just observe, especially when I have a lot of notifications, I'm like, what's going on? It's Ollie running his mouth again because that's Ollie social, right? So I'm trying to look, even the alleged good guys, some of them can't stand me because they don't understand how I know all this because they did their vetting procedure. Fuck you did. You don't even know where I fit in a vetting procedure, no matter how much. Remember, remember, these people are going by the construct right? Remember, anyone talking shit about me forgets. I had two and a half years of, air quote, unknowing, complete penetration of my life. I've been investigated by the feds twice and they keep them empty. And twice. Once because of the AG of North Dakota and twice because of crimes that happened against me and my family. But people forget that and they still like to talk shit, right? Still like to talk shit. So here's where I'm going to destroy every single one of them that we're telling you all this amazing stuff. So first of all, let's take a look at, first of all, I, I'm just going to tell you, acha, acha, acha is a Punjabi term and uh, it just means good. Few people use that actually. Not a lot of people use that. And the person that said it, uh, you know, was like, good, cock-a-hoop. Let's talk about that because everyone's like, oh, my gosh. They're like, oh, my God, baby feet and that. No, the baby feet I've used in text before, and that means I'm dancing, right? You just feet dancing, okay, that I'm happy that it's going. So there's two versions of cock-a-hoop in songs. We're going to listen to both uh, during the intermission. But I would like to play the word of the day, right, which is cock-a-hoop. Right. And I, what's weird is that the date of the day that it was, you know, the word of the day, I just, just pay attention to this, was March 8th, well, March 17th, 2022, upload for March 18th, 2022. So let's, uh, let's take a look what cockahoop really means, which is actually a word. Not few words, it's a word. So let's take a listen. Word of the day series. In this series, we pick a new English word every day, provide the correct spelling of the word telling you how many alphabets make up the word, find which part of speech the word falls into, explain its meaning, look for any similar words where possible and finally explore how it could be used in a sentence. Do you have a word collection? How many words have you collected? Join us and learn new words this channel and don't... Today, March 18th, our word of the day is cockahoop. C-O-C-K-A-H-O-O-P Cockahoop Cockahoop is a nine-letter word and an adjective. Remember adjectives are words that describe the qualities or states of being of nouns. Enormous, dog-like, silly, yellow, fun, fast. They can also describe the quantity of nouns, many, few, millions, eleven. 
Cockahoop means to exhibit self-importance and be pleased or boastful about an achievement. In other words, to be extremely and obviously pleased about an achievement. Similar words include, prideful, proud, rejoicing, triumphant, boastful, braggart, crowing, self-aggrandizing. Examples of sentences using cockahoop are The company is cockahoop at its performance, especially in light of the difficult trading conditions. Graham was cockahoop when Hibbs won the championship. He was cockahoop about the birth of his first child. Our agents and builders cockahoop that more money is coming into the housing market through building societies and local authorities. Students were cockahoop as they collected their results allowing them to go on to study for A-levels or take their first steps into employment. I didn't mean to be cockahoop about my promotion, but I couldn't help telling everyone I encountered. Make sure to save this new word, cockahoop, so you can practice using it in your everyday sentences. Who would use that word? Like Shakespeare used cockahoop and there's like a whole theory about that. But there was actually a song uh, of popular song actually uh in 1963 so weird and it was a part of a uh album called the master's voice oh wait what oh yeah oh where was it made in greece so freaking weird i mean it's like i'm making all this stuff up right this isn't real right this is all not real right let's listen to that song Sue so says she wants me for her man. Jenny, she loves me if I say she can. But Jerry only does it just for fun. But I think you're gonna be the one. I'm cock-a-hoop, cock-a-hoop. I'm cock-a-hoop, cock-a-hoop. And I feel all right. All right, all right. I feel all right. Feeling good, feeling good, feeling good, feeling good, right? Feeling good, feeling good. Can you guys just see that? His master's voice made in Greece. <laughs> so weird. A British group, right? Under his master's voice made in Greece in 1963. Now, I mean, what? Oh, that's just normal. Because all the big hits in the 60s were being in Greece, right? Recorded and, you know, made there. And I, ah, people are not paying attention. So let's just dispel all the words. So what's really weird is cockahoop is a very British term, right? People that uh, have uh, lived in England or associate with British English, right? Kind of like, you know. Pakistan or India. <laughs> Have you ever heard a Pakistani speak English? It's always in a British accent. So I, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, help you see the whole thing. We're going to deconstruct the whole thing. So we got a cha and we've got this, right? And I'm not saying these are Pakistanis on the chat. I'm not saying that. I want you to understand the little nuances that tell you everything. Now, Another heart made the transfer. You saw all your red stringers come out. Oh my God, it's AOC who fucked up. AOC said she was going to flip everything red. You're not paying attention. Remember, we're going to turn everything red. I mean, blue, right? You forget. 
and the Wan brothers. We forget a lot of things, but let's just focus on this, right? So what are we really talking about in the context of this, uh, you know, transaction of communication, right? Uh, that's the things that people need to um, focus on. And so I'm going to break it down for you and I'm going to teach you that. But also, I also want to take you just so you that you know, you know, the Heroes Act, right, that they passed. I want you to understand what it was originally called. It wasn't called the Heroes Act, right? It was called the Heart Act. Heroes Earning Assistance and Relief Tax Act, signed in 2008 by Bush. I just wanted to point that out for a second because the Heroes Act is going to come into play later, later, later. So, um, I am just pointing that out so you guys understand that, that the Heroes Act that they passed for COVID was based on the Heroes Earning Assistance and Relief Tax Act of 2008, also called the Heart Act. Heart Act 2008. Look it up. It's really hard to find because no matter how many times you look it up, you're going to get the Heroes Act rather than the Heart Act. And, and then you should ask yourself why. <laughs> Pork and stuff. So again, I am just pointing that out so you can keep that in mind. So now, where do we start? Where do I start with this? I'm trying to think. So now you understand Acha. And now you understand uh, a few things. Now I'm going to show you things that may or may not, you know, apply here, but they're useful since we're on the topic of conversation. I think it's important that we point them out. Um, you know, certain uh, acts, you know, I'm highlighting them for you to see. Uh, so taxes, transaction distribution, what is heart section 105? We have some more. These are just, I just want you, you know, it's really hard for people. Yeah, I, I know you guys hate me and I love that. Right. Because you know what? The more you hate me, the more you look into it, the more you see that I'm right. And then we become friends and we realize that we're actually fighting a fight together. Now, if you're not fighting the fight for the people and you're fighting it for your pocket, that's where you fail. So there's that. So that was um, that one. And then uh, let's go into this one. Another transaction here. It's the uh, heart section 107, right? Uh, I just wanted to show that to you so you can see it. Transaction distributions, what's heart section 107? Talking about pensions, right? Right? Heart, heart, heart. But obviously, for some reason, that's gone. And, you know, then we can go into uh, other things like, uh, let's see. So you can actually see what we're going to be talking about and maybe you'll understand what this transaction of communication was, right? So we have BBVA transfer services, the money transfer processor with heart. 
I mean, it says it's with love, right? See, that's how they used to call money, right? They used to call money, um, you know, that something heartfelt. Oh, gosh. And then just so you see, the only place that you'll pretty much find something about the heart act is actually on military.com. I'm going to show that to you. The Heart Act Benefit Sheet, uh, this is from My Army Benefits. Uh, you'll see where they talk about the Heart Act, pension, wages, qualified reservist, total contributions. So here's the Heart Act of 2008. This is going to be coming into play soon, right? I'm just using this opportunity to kind of show you things so you can be paying attention, right? Now, we're going to get into what another heart making a transfer really means. So, let's go back in time. Let's go to 1980 and take a look at a few vintage banking things, okay? This is going to be quite fascinating. A lot of you may or may not know some of this, but boy, are you going to enjoy this ride because... Hopefully by this, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought that's what it meant. Wait, I'm going to break it down for you even more. I want you guys to know it. Not, not, not listen, right? Not take it for what I'm telling you, giving you the knowledge. Come on. <laughs> oh, now what do I do? Is something wrong? Wrong? Huh. My meeting ran over time and now the bank's closed. That's what's wrong. I can't deposit my paycheck. I haven't got any money. That's what's wrong. Oh, I see you don't use EFT. EFT? Use it. I don't even know what it is. Well, EFT is a new way that banks, savings institutions, and others offer to transfer money electronically without the need for checks and other paper. For example, if you used EFT, you wouldn't have to race to the bank to deposit your paycheck. Your salary could be credited directly to your account automatically. It could. And you could even withdraw cash from your account when your bank is closed, say, uh, on Sunday or even at night. And your bank could even pay some of your bills for you, too. Lots of other businesses are using EFT now, and you might even be able to pay for groceries at the supermarket just by inserting a card into a terminal. David? Oh, Mary, uh, honey, I got here after the bank closed. Oh, no. I couldn't help it. Uh, But this man was uh, just telling me something about a new... I'm sorry, this is my wife, Mary. Oh. E. Frank Truesdale. EFT stands for Electronic Fund Transfer, which, as I was just telling David, signals a whole new way of banking where things happen electronically. Electronically? I'll explain everything, but uh, first, shouldn't we go someplace a little less public? How did you do that? Why well, simply use electronics? How fabulous. This must be a bank vault. An appropriate place to talk about banking, don't you think? Now, when you think of a bank, What comes to mind first? Money. Lots of money. Like this? (laughs) Yeah, cash. But did you know that in this country, more spending is done with another kind of money? (laughs) Checks. (laughs) Checks and other paper payment orders. Americans write billions of them every month. I'm not surprised. Checks are a lot safer than cash. I know I don't like to carry a lot of cash with me. And they're a lot more convenient. Instead of traveling around to five or six different places every month to pay bills... We just write checks and drop them in the mail. But checks weren't always as efficient as they are today. That's why when Congress created the Federal Reserve System in 1913, 
One of its jobs was to improve the nation's check-clearing process. This is the Federal Reserve Check Processing Center. And these are checks and other payment instruments. And overnight, the Fed will sort them and ship them out to be collected. And here's where the sorting is done. By machines which can read the magnetic ink numbers imprinted on each item. Is this just one day's worth? Just one day's worth in just one Federal Reserve processing system. Why, there must be thousands. <laughs> Millions. Each one of these machines can sort almost 100,000 checks an hour. Wow, that's some job handling all that paper. That's one of the toughest jobs I know. It does seem as if we should be able to figure out a better way to transfer money, doesn't it? It sure does. What have you done? All the checks have disappeared. How will all those people be paid? Don't relax. The checks have gone. But the instructions to pay are still right here. Where? Right here. In that thing? Uh, this thing, as you call it, is a reel of magnetic tape. This one tape can hold all the payment instructions for all those checks that you just saw. It doesn't seem possible. Oh, think electronically, my boy, electronically. Think of automated clearinghouses processing these transactions the speed of electricity by moving electrons instead of paper. The Federal Reserve supplies the facilities for dozens of these automated clearinghouses and links them together with electronic communications. The automated clearinghouse network is the nerve center of this new way of handling money and banking, uh, electronic fund transfer or EFT. And it all works without using paper. No paper? You mean no checks? Oh, EFT is a lot more than just an alternative to checks. It can give you round-the-clock banking, automatic bill paying, cashless shopping, direct deposit. Is it hard to use? Oh, on the contrary, it's easy. And here's something that helps make EFT better for you. Regulation E. It's a set of rules and regulations drawn up by the Federal Reserve at the order of Congress to protect people like you and help you get the most out of EFT. But, uh, Rather than talk about this, let's take an electronic trip uh, through some of the most common EFT services. I'll explain the Federal Reserve regulations as we go along. We'll start with the most familiar EFT service. It's the automated teller machine. Most of these machines have easy to remember names, but no matter what they're called, they're a part EFT. Now let me understand. If we get an EFT access card, we can use it at any one of your automated teller machines even when the bank is closed? That's right. Around the clock, seven days a week. And we can make deposits and withdrawals. Yes, and you can even make loan repayments, transfer funds from one account to the other, and possibly even find out the current balances in your accounts. That's great. Can we withdraw any amount of money? Our limitations on frequency and... There are limits, of course. And that's one of the things that the Federal Reserve says you must be told in writing about your EFT access card. Now, you must be told about the other terms and conditions, too. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than 
what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to <laughs> podcasts on. Yeah, podcast your, homecasts. Your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. Now, if you'll just read this carefully, it shows the types of transactions you can make. It also gives our business days, explains how and where to report errors, what to do if your card is lost or stolen, and what your liability is for the unauthorized use of your card. Yeah, seems pretty clear. Good. Now, I suggest you put it in a safe place for a ready reference in the future. And you may want to take advantage of our other EFT services, too. Oh? Like bill paying services. You can call us and tell us whom and how much to pay, and we'll take care of it for a small charge. Or you can arrange to have us pay your recurring bills for you. All you have to do is sign a special authorization form. But what if we want to stop you from making a payment? Tell us, that's all. Tell us in writing or orally, at least three business days before the date of the transfer. Well, what do you think, honey? Should we let EFT pay our bills? I guess so. Only, what proof will we have the bills are paid if we don't have the canceled check? A very natural question for Mary to ask. But the Corys will have proof. Because the Federal Reserve requires that they be sent regular statements that describe all the transactions in their account. In order to use your EFT access card, you will need a personal identification number. We call it your PIN. In a few days, you will be receiving an access card like this that you can use with your secret number as a safety precaution against other people using your card fraudulently. Isn't it nice having an automated teller machine right here in the shopping center? It's like having a personal money machine. And it's a relief not to have to worry about getting to the bank before it closes on payday. Don't forget the receipt. Federal Reserve regulations say a receipt must be offered for any transaction at an EFT terminal. I lost it. Uh, something wrong? I can't seem to find my EFT access card. Are you sure? I looked in every pocket. Well, don't panic. Just call your bank now and uh, report your card missing. That's right. According to the Federal Reserve regulations, if you notify the bank within two business days of discovering your card is lost or stolen, the most you can be liable for is $50 in case anyone else uses your card. Are you sure? Yes, but if you don't notify them within two days, your liability could be much higher. Would you have change for a dollar so I can make that call? Yeah, say what? It's on me. Thank you. Boy, am I glad we read those rules before we got our access card. Thank you, Mr. T, wherever you are. I'm right here in a friendly neighborhood supermarket. More and more stores like this are beginning to accept EFT payments. So you may be able to use your EFT card instead of cash to make purchases. But remember, your EFT card is not a credit card. Every transaction you make will affect your account instantly. September 28th, mortgage payment, $562. October 3rd, automated teller withdrawal, $180. David, I don't remember making any withdrawal of $180. Do you? Hmm. What $180 withdrawal? Here on the statement from the bank, October 3rd, 
Automated teller withdrawal, $180. What do you know? There must have been a mistake. I'm going to call them and clear it up right now. Of course, mistakes can be made. But you're protected. Because the Federal Reserve regulations say that if your bank cannot resolve the problem within 10 business days after you notify it, it must return the disputed amount to your account while it continues the investigation. Hey, come in here. <laughs> Dad, you're soaked. Let me get your towel. You picked a bad time to go visiting, Dan. Well, that's not exactly what brought me out, son. Actually, my social security check came in today, and I was walking down to the bank to deposit it, and the rain started. <laughs> Luckily for me, you were close by. Well, you're doing things the hard way, Dad. You shouldn't be going to the bank in all kinds of weather. Why don't you sign up for the EFT direct deposit of your social security? That's how I get paid. My company offers direct payroll deposit. Well, yeah, I've heard of that, but, but look now, suppose something gets mixed up. How do I know that my Social Security money was really deposited? Well, in the first place, Dad, electronic fund transfer is a lot safer than a check that could get lost or stolen or delayed in the mail. Each month, the Social Security Administration puts payment instructions on a magnetic tape that goes to an automated clearinghouse. And there it's sorted onto another tape just for your bank. This tape goes into your bank's computers, and your Social Security payment is credited to your account electronically. But how do you know they did it? Well, the bank has to provide a way to verify your deposit, and also it'll show up in your regular bank statement. Now, my employer gives me a stub as verification. <laughs> I guess you're right. After all, I'm the one who's all wet. <laughs> How about a cup of coffee to warm you up? <laughs> Great. EFT becomes more convenient the more you find out about it, doesn't it? And as time goes by, EFT is going to be providing even more helpful services to you. For example, you probably already have one of these in your own home. Well, someday, before long, you're going to be able to use your touchstone phone to call a store and have them show you on your own home television screen all the items that are on sale that day. And someday, before long, you're going to be able to order merchandise from the store through your phone and pay for it by phone. And that's what makes all the difference. Pay for it. All through your touchtone phone. Now that's a bargain. Hold that one. Can we afford it? Well, I think so. Let me check our balance. <laughs> Great. Let's buy it. That's Sunday. But why talk about someday? <laughs> the future is already here. And with electronic fund transfer, you can buy and pay and bank with the speed and convenience of electronics. And with an assist from the Federal Reserve's Regulation E, you can use EFT with safety and confidence. The following, follow, the following federal agencies have responsibility for enforcing the EFT regulations and will help you with any questions or problems you have. Let's see what these are.
comptroller of the currency, Federal Reserve System, and Federal Deposit Insurance Corp, FDIC. National Credit Union Association, Civil Aeronautics Board, what? Securities and Exchange Commission, and the Federal Trade Commission. I repeat, controller of the currency, Federal Reserve System, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, 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 Federal Home Loan Bank Board, National Credit Union Association, Civil Aeronautics Board, totally, Civil Aeronautics money, of course they'll help, because they, they totally are in finance, Securities and Exchange Commission, Federal Trade Commission, all these people will help you if something is wrong. So weird. Let's continue. If you don't know which agency has jurisdiction, contact your regional Federal Reserve Bank. I really want to see where the civil air, uh, (laughs) where civil air authorities come into my banking. I mean, good question. Thanks, Baker Productions Incorporated, directed by Alan Baker. So, quite fascinating. This was a PSA of the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. But, you know, heartbeats. Now, let's talk about that. An an obscure provision of the federal tax code enacted in 1969 by Democratic Congress. 1969, holy shit. Okay. Signed into law by a Republican president. So the Democrats made it, but the Republican president made it law. Is proving to be a lucrative, dirty little secret exploited by savvy traders in the 4 trillion U.S. ETF market. According to the recent article, and recent we mean just a couple of years ago by Bloomberg, so-called heartbeat trades represent transactions in which an investor first puts money into an ETF, then makes a quick withdrawal that is paid out in shares of the stocks held by the ETF rather than cash. Normally a fund that sells stock that has appreciated in value will trigger capital gains tax liability for its shareholders. However, if it hands appreciated shares of stock to an investor in lieu of cash to settle redemption, no taxes due. In 2018, there will be more than 548 such heartbeat trades worth a record of 98 billion. And they shielded all ETF investors from significant capital gains taxes. Kind of, you know, this really reminds me of amalgamated bank and other banks like Wells Fargo and stuff like that. But let's not get into the diddy diddy. In 2018, investors in the 183 largest U.S. equity ETFs avoided taxes on about $203 billion of realized capital gains through this mechanism. 
The biggest winner from Heartbeat Trades in 2018 were State Street. I did bring that up a little while ago. 64 billion. BlackRock. 59 million, Vanguard, 57 billion, and others, 23 billion. Uh, those others include members of Congress and the Senate, you know, the ones that tell you that they're pro America too. So, this 1969 law was designed to help the mutual fund industry. Wasn't that what Hunter Biden was doing? Isn't that what Obama is doing? Right now, we got a fucking trade on the record. A trade on the record, on the fucking record with a damn fucking timestamp. Excuse my friend. Excuse my friend. I'm actually quite very excited, right? On the damn record. You see, why is it that we hear things? And look at things. See, you can't undo because once you find between these two, well, who, who's in communication, right? The timestamp, 1459. Exhale. It was done before 3 p.m. your time. So again, you now have the time of the transaction, the good and yes, by all means, good. So who put up? Who did it? Who covered the deficit? Now I'll explain to you how this shit works because that's the thing. People don't get it. But this is kind of like, you know what it reminds me of? And see, this is why I always say, hate me now, love me later. But a lot of people don't get it. Adversity. Adversity, adversity. You know what reminds me of this? You know, I really do miss movie night. Such a shame. They just didn't want me to show off, I guess. I was just uh, wondering uh, wondering if you're doing anything Saturday night. No, I don't think so. Would you like to go out with me? No. Jonathan Moore is a young man with a problem. You are without a doubt the biggest animal I have ever seen in my entire life. Does that mean no? He goes to Paris on vacation. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? He meets a mysterious woman. I like virgins. You do? In an even more mysterious line of work. What are you, a spy? Yes, I am a spy. He follows her to Berlin. Hi! Now the CIA is after him. The Russians are trying to kill him. Russians? He's having the vacation of a lifetime. If he lives. We gotcha. We gotcha with the timestamp. So let's let's understand, you know, what these things are, right? Um, let's understand how e how these electronic fund transfers 
actually make money? Right? How do they make money? ETFs make money off you, you even, even if you don't deal with them directly. Can ETFs go bankrupt? What? There's a risk-free way to make money? Where's that? And if an ETF announces a shutdown, what should you do? So stick around for the whole video and I'll give you two tips on what to look out for so you don't have to deal with that problem. Hi everyone, welcome back. By the end of this video, you're gonna learn a ton about ETFs. A quick look at Fidelity's website. You have active ETFs, thematic ETFs, factor, sector, bond ETFs. It's a lot to take in, but if you're new to the ETF world, it's just a fun, that's kind of like a stock. It ticks, it moves, you can easily buy and sell through your broker, except that it's not one stock, but it's a fund. A supermarket basket is the best analogy. A basket for your bread, milk, yogurt, that kind, except this time, what's in the basket is stocks, bonds, gold, or even Bitcoin. And if you're into crypto, don't forget to hit that like button. It's really going high as I talk about my price prediction in this video here. Anyways, coming back, the big difference between this ETF basket and the supermarket basket is that there's someone called an ETF manager. He or she will do the picking of what goes in the basket. So you don't get that choice. Though what you get to choose though is whether you want to buy it or ignore it. So one basket is one unit of an ETF and many, many baskets make up the whole ETF, the whole fund. And if you're wondering what's the difference between ETFs and index funds, I have a whole explainer video here. So check that out later if you want. Let's talk about how ETFs, exchange traded funds make money. Yes, you often do see fees and expense ratios like this on this page here, but no one really explains it. The funds, they don't take money from your bank. They don't charge you a commission and it's not subsidized by your broker. So how do they earn these fees? Picture a basket that you've picked out a supermarket and it's full of milk. 100 liters of milk. That's a lot of milk. So let's assume the ETF fee for this milk basket is 1% per year. So how this work is, the ETF manager earns the money through the net asset value. And what that means is, it's like you own the milk basket. The ETF manager still gets to drink from it every year because he manages it. So it's like he gets to take away 1% of 100 liters, which is one liter. So I have simplified this because we're just talking about the unit volume of the ETF when you also really need to take into account the price as well. That's how you get the net asset value. But the ETF manager drinking milk from this milk basket, I think that's really clear enough on how they make money from your basket. So that's how this fee works from this page. They don't charge you directly. It's all indirect. But some fees of ETFs are so small that you don't really feel it at all. Which is why a lot of people say ETFs are a really cheap way to invest. But have you ever wondered who the ETF APs are? No, not apps, not apes, but APs short for authorized participants. Don't get confused by the name. Authorized participants, they're not individuals like you and I. They're actually big financial institutions like these companies here. So why I mention them is even though they're invisible to you, but they play a hugely important role in the ETF creation and redemption process. I know those are big words, but I'll explain in a second. And why are the authorized participants here? It's because they're in the game to make riskless profits. And if you get close to people in finance, making riskless profits is like the pinnacle achievement in finance, how to print money without losing any. So APs are between you and the ETF fund manager. So again, we're on the Fidelity's website. Warning, to be clear, this is not investment advice. I do not 
own this ETF myself. And Fidelity is also called the ETF sponsor, which means ETF manager, they're the same thing. But the manager is different from the AP, although they could still be part of the same group. Confused? It's kind of like being a supplier to your own restaurant. It's kind of related, but they play different roles. After all, to run a restaurant, you probably need multiple suppliers, which is exactly like an ETF where they would have multiple authorized participants as well. On different ETF websites, you usually see different terms. ETF fund sponsor, ETF issuer, ETF manager. Basically, they're referring to the same thing. They're responsible for putting things in that basket. So do ETF managers pay the authorized participants? No. APs are not paid by the ETF manager. They are liquidity suppliers to that ETF and make money from the market. Here's what I mean, and you understand an ETF creation process along the way. Let's say the ETF is made up of 30 different stocks and each costing $1. So the total value of all these stocks in this market is 30 times $1, which is $30. This $30 is the fund's net asset value, NAV. NAV information will always be displayed for any ETF website, like here. So getting back to our example, if this fund's NAV is $30, the value of the basket, you might think the price of this ETF, the fund on the stock market, should also be $30, right? Yes and no. But usually it's a very tight relationship and it's because of the authorized participants. They make it like this. So remember the fund we have here, these stocks are all individually traded as well. And because markets are markets, some of them start trading for $1.10, while others can start to be trading for 80 cents or 90 cents. And eventually you could get to a situation where the NAV of the fund adds up to $29.50. This is an opportunity for riskless profit, what we call in finance and arbitrage. Because the authorized participant sees the price of the ETF is still at $30 on the stock market. So there's a 50 cents to be made here because the NAV is lower, is at $29.50. So the only thing that the authorized participant needs to do is to buy one share of all the stocks in this basket, which will cost him $29.50. The AP then can deliver them to the ETF sponsor, which let's say in this example is Fidelity. And here the ETF manager will take all the shares and issue one unit of the ETF which represents the basket of shares that was received from the authorized participant. After that, as a last stage, the authorized participant can sell this ETF on the market, perhaps to you, for $30 to earn a cool 50 cents in profit, almost at no risk. So what we just described here is the ETF creation process, and the authorized participant will keep doing this, keep getting new ETF units until the price is closed between the $29.50 of the NAV and the market price of $30. Can you see how they're providing liquidity and earning this riskless money every time? But there's also the ETF redemption process, which I won't get into too much detail because it's basically the same. Just that the AP would do the buy and sell, but in reverse order. But growth processes, the creation and the redemption process are super important for ETFs. That's how they keep the ETF NAV and the ETF price pretty close. But when things are a little off, that's when they actually step in. So you're very likely to see the ETF premium or discount on fund manager websites. And usually ETF issuers want this number to be as small as possible because it means they're doing the job properly. That's why a few months ago, Grayscale Bitcoin Fund got so much heat, even though it's not an ETF, which I explain more in this video. Again, check it out when you're free because the price of the fund was like 10 to 20% lower than the NAV. If I was an investor in that fund, I would be angry too. So in the beginning of this video, I did say ETFs trade very much like stocks, which they are. 
but stocks go bankrupt. So do ETFs go bankrupt and get delisted? So the ETF manager can, can go, go bankrupt. bankrupt. So the person who puts things in the basket, the individual items, the stocks in the basket can also go bankrupt. But the fund itself, the basket, not really, but it can still get delisted from the market. So it won't be tradable anymore. In fact, up till mid-October, at least 200 ETFs has already closed shop for the year, according to ETF.com. So in 2019, around 120 ETFs got delisted. And then around 2018, that was around 150 or so. And there's many reasons why they actually do. The ETF could have too little assets. It just doesn't generate enough money to cover the cost. Or maybe it's a rather unpopular ETF in a very saturated market. There's too many competition. Maybe it's poor management or just poor performance. But the more important question is, what should you do if your ETF is going to shut down? Hold on, wait, wait. The good news is your fund will always give you a fair warning before your ETF closes down for good or gets withdrawn from the market. It's usually never like a company stock which they suddenly declare bankruptcy and can surprise you. There's more warnings for funds. Typically, the firm will issue a press release. They'll let the whole market know and they'll file supplementation document with the regulator. So here, let's say it's the SEC, 30 to 60 days prior to the closure. So what happens during this time is that the ETF firm, the manager, will liquidate the fund. They will sell all the items in the basket in this process. So at the end, if you're still holding onto the ETF, then you will receive cash value of your shares at the pre-announced time of liquidation. Then should you actually wait to actually get paid? Here's the big tip. No, not a good idea. What will actually happen is the fund will have to pay tax on the assets. It means the cash that you will receive will always be after tax payment. That means less cash for you for your unit. So it's not a good idea to wait for the ETF to liquidate. So I have final three tips to how to avoid situation like this. The warning sign. So it does depend on the stock market, but if we're talking about the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange, if an ETF has less than 40 to $50 million in assets, that's quite small. It means that the funds will not be generating enough fees to actually cover its own cost. Warning sign one. The second warning sign is very thinly traded. It's got very little liquidity. So if you don't see the ETF price move at all, the spreads are wide, big red flags on liquidity, the second warning sign. And most importantly is the last warning sign is please, please don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe. If you've got any, any questions, questions, let me know in the comments below. Happy investing. So I actually really love the way this guy does it. But you know what? I think BlackRock can explain it better, right? Because <laughs> they hold a lot of baskets. We should, we should uh, let BlackRock explain it to us, right? I think it would be better where they can tell you the story of creation and redemption. And no, we're not talking about religion. Because heartbeat trades are the ones that boost electronic transfer of funds. See, you call them EFTs, electronic funds transfer. See, spelling matters, words matter, and they're purposeful when they add, remove, add, remove, add, remove, right? And it's like, oh, I thought it was... EFT. It's actually ETF. Almost like they don't want you to know. So weird how spelling and misspellings matter. So let's take a look at what BlockRock tells us in the story of creation and redemption. If you're familiar with exchange-traded funds or ETFs, you may have heard the phrase creation and redemption. And while you may know it has something to do with the way ETFs trade, what does creation and redemption really mean? 
And why should you care? Don't let the phrase creation and redemption confuse you. No, it's not a prison movie narrated by Morgan Freeman. And while it may sound like a complicated process, it's not rocket science or string theory. Believe it or not, the process of creation and redemption really isn't that complicated. And we're here to break it down for you using simple illustrations and a metaphor about flowers. What do flowers have to do with ETFs, you ask? Don't worry, it will all make sense soon enough. First off, it's important to understand that while ETFs trade like stocks, they differ from stocks in important ways. One major difference has to do with supply. Stocks generally have a finite supply available to investors. As a result, large trades may drive up the price of a stock due to a sudden increase in demand. The supply of ETFs, on the other hand, can be increased or decreased based on demand. This unique feature of ETFs provides additional liquidity that can help reduce the impact of large trades. It also means that you can buy or sell an ETF when you want to, usually at a price close to its underlying value. How is that possible? Well, that's the story of creation and redemption. To start, imagine that an individual stock is a flower. Just like companies come in different sectors and sizes, flowers come in all kinds of shapes and colors. Now take a bunch of different flowers and bundle them up according to a specific recipe, aka an index, and you've got yourself an ETF. And the price of an ETF is based on the price of the stocks that make up that ETF. So when the prices of the individual flowers go up, so does the price of the bouquet. And if ETFs are like flower bouquets, then a brokerage firm, the place you buy ETFs from, is just like a flower shop. Now that you understand the connection between flowers and ETFs, let's begin our story. Chapter 1. The Simple Scenario Say an investor wants to buy a bouquet. What does he do? He goes to the flower shop and browses the bouquet menu. There's the Emerging Markets Bouquet, the Clean Energy Bouquet, and the S&P 100 Sweetheart Bouquet. After giving it some thought, the investor decides that he wants to buy one S&P 100 Sweetheart Bouquet. The florist, remember she's the broker-dealer in our story, takes the order. You did hear him call it the Sweetheart Bouquet. Okay, I just wanted to point that out. The florist then sends a runner, a.k.a. the market maker, out to the stock market, which in our story is the flower market, to fill the order. The market maker finds the S&P 100 bouquet in the market and brings it back to the flower shop. The investor pays the florist and gets the bouquet he wanted. Easy, right? That's the simple scenario. Chapter 2. Creation But what happens if instead of just one S&P 100 sweetheart bouquet, the investor wants 100? Just as before, the florist sends the market maker to the flower market to get 100 bouquets. But there's one small problem. There are only five bouquets available. So what's the poor market maker to do? Introducing creation. Thanks to the unique process of ETF creation, more sweetheart bouquets can be created to fill the large order. Here's how. It starts with the authorized participant, or AP for short. The AP is the person who watches what's going on in the flower market in order to manage the supply of flowers and bouquets. Since the market maker can't fill his order, he tells the AP that he needs extra bouquets. The AP checks the S&P 100 index to find out exactly which individual flowers make up the S&P 100 bouquet. Then, the market maker gives the AP all the flowers he needs to match the S&P 100 index. Once the AP has everything he needs, he brings those flowers to the bouquet maker workshop. That's iShares. The bouquet makers at iShares take the flowers from the AP and assemble brand new S&P 100 sweetheart bouquets. 
once the bouquets are finished, that is, once they've bundled the individual stocks, the bouquet makers at iShares give the new bouquets to the AP so he can bring them to the market maker. Now the market maker is able to gather the 100 sweetheart bouquets that he needs. He brings them back to the florist, who in turn sells them to the investor at market price. Amazingly, despite the size of the order, the cost of the bouquet stayed approximately the same. And the great part about the whole process is that all of the work that went on behind the scenes happened without any additional effort on the part of the investor. All the investor had to do was place the order and the creation process kicked in on its own. Chapter 3. Redemption. Let's flip things around now. What happens if the investor wants to get rid of all 100 of his bouquets? Now, I know you can't actually return flowers in the real world, but thankfully, in the ETF metaphor world, you can. So the investor goes to the flower shop and returns 100 bouquets. The florist then sends the market maker to the market to see who wants them. But there's one problem. There's already an adequate supply of bouquets in the market right now. So what's the market maker going to do this time? Introducing redemption. Here's how it works. First, the florist buys back the bouquets from the investor. Then, the market maker takes the bouquets and hands them to the AP. The AP brings the bouquets to the iShares workshop, where they are disassembled into individual stems. When the workers are finished, the AP picks up the individual flowers and brings them back to the market. And just like that, the supply of bouquets is back in line with demand. As with creation, the investor didn't have to worry about all of the work that went on in the background. Redemption happened when it needed to, based on supply and demand. All the investor had to do was return the bouquets and be off on his way. Okay, quick recap. ETFs trade like stocks, with a slight difference. Unlike stocks, the supply of ETFs is flexible. This means that you don't have to be afraid to trade an ETF just because it has low volume. Thanks to the process of creation and redemption, ETFs have an additional source of liquidity. This additional liquidity means that you can buy or sell an ETF when you want to, usually at a price close to the value of the index. And there you have it, the story of creation and redemption. No multivariable equations or complex flow diagrams, just a simple metaphor about flowers. Thanks for watching, and happy trading to you. last year of the bet about what does better, the S&P 500 index over 10 years or someone who you made a bet with for a million dollars who got to go pick five hedge fund funds. Of funds. Fund uh, of he, funds. He created a fund of funds based on five hedge funds. And between the two of you, the S&P 500 index has been the massive outperformer over the nine and a half years of the bet. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll absolutely kill every one of the fund of funds. And bear in mind, each one of the fund of funds had a strong financial incentive to pick the best funds they could find 10 years ago. I mean, it meant real right, money. Five, to five yeah. So it, 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 it was overwhelming. And, uh, uh, passive investment, you know, I've, I've written about it. Passive investment in aggregate is going to be active investment because of fees. You, you did this as a result because you wanted to show people that they didn't need to be trying to beat the market all the time. That they could just be investors over the long haul and that would be a way to make money. And, they, and that they didn't have to pay 2 or 3% a year to somebody uh, to get those. Uh, and average results were going to be very good. Right. And they were good 
They've been good all my life, and in these 10 years, they've been good. You've done perfectly okay with passive investment. So you've done great with passive investment, especially the last seven or eight years. There are people out there who are saying, oh, he just got lucky. He picked the right 10 years. He did it right before quantitative easing came around. There's a guy, Mark Yusko at Morgan Creek, who's been saying he wants the next 10 years bet and thinks he can outperform in that time. What do you, what do you say to somebody Well, like they'll put up a substantial part of their net worth. I get letters all the time from people who say, I'd like to do it. I'll put up $100 and, you know, or something. <laughs> they'll right. become famous. So they, they love the idea of, of me giving them a lot of publicity. If anybody wants to put up a significant percentage of their net worth. A million dollars? Does that kind of still? It, it just depends on their net worth. Okay. Uh, but if they, if they want to put up a significant percentage of their net worth, their family's net worth, and they want to make a bet on 10 years on, on active versus passive, uh, you know, maybe that my estate has to be the one to sell with them. I mean, at 87, anything involving 10 years is kind of... Uh, a triumph of hope over statistics, but the uh, nevertheless, uh, the ones that have written me, they really want to get their name in the paper, you know, okay. basically. But you'll you'll take anybody who puts up a substantial portion of their net worth. You'll take that bet. They can they can pick a group. You got to pick a group, uh, you know, because I'm picking a group of 500 in the right. S&P, and. Uh, they can pick the date of the start. The date of the start had nothing to do with that. And the truth is the market behaved fairly typically in terms of, of aggregate return for the decade. Sorry, I was talking and my microphone was muted. I apologize. So everyone loves to hate Warren Buffett. Everyone does. Because he, uh, <laughs> he is a man who knows what's up. And it's almost as if he has his own little oracle. He's smart. He knows where things are. He knows how things are happening. He knows he's smart. Does that necessarily make him a good guy, a bad guy? I mean, then you have to sit there and define what do you consider good and what do you consider bad, right? That's the thing. What do you consider good and bad? See, a lot of people like to trash on Patrick Byrne. Yeah, he has a lot of good and a lot of bad people around him. But does that make him good or bad? You guys don't understand the genius behind Warren Buffett. I, 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 I'm going to tell you, he loves playing games and he's super intelligent. I am upset because of the power that he holds that he can actually do good. Instead, he plays this neutral line of skirting, you know, borders. Everybody loves to hate him because he was right. Right. He's been right about everything. He's been telling people in, um, you know, just in a way. Right. He didn't do everything he made by being bad. Unlike Soros, who stole things and then whatever. He's straightforward. I'm not saying he's good or bad. I'm saying he's a freaking genius. He's a genius and he's very smart. And people like Bill Gates, like Obama, like the UN, like Kissinger, like, 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 always want to pick. And, you know, this is where he skirts on the dark arts. Somebody else who says they're masters of dark arts. And that's the problem. Because once you dabble too much, you get tainted. It's another thing. It's another thing dancing in the dark in order to then, you know, do this ballroom maneuver where you bring them into the light. And it's another thing to, you know, write some music 
for the dark. So he's telling people what is coming. These interviews tell them what is coming. Now, before we play the rest of that, I think it's important that we move on to Bill Gates. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. This is where you're going to see the gotcha moment, okay? That text is a gotcha moment. That is a gotcha moment. And I'm not just saying that. This is a gotcha moment. An actual <laughs> gotcha moment. <laughs> like we even know the time of the trade. Like this is so bad. Eventually will result in an economic oh, slowdown. I'm afraid the, the bears on this one have a, a pretty strong argument that concerns me a lot. You know, you avoid taxation or any sort of you know government rules about kidnapping fees or things. Until we get there, which we're absolutely not. Bill Gates has been selling his stocks to prepare for one of the worst economic disasters in history. Gates is known for being a CEO, and he's even better at capital growth. Through the help of his fund manager, Michael Larson, Gates managed to make $50 billion over the past 20 years. Gates and Larson not only made billions from the bull run, but also successfully prepared for the dot-com bubble in the 2008 recession. This has allowed him to consistently beat the S&P 500 and grow his wealth to new heights. Gates and Larson are now aggressively preparing for what will become one of the worst recessions of all time. It's no secret that the economy is in a tough position. The U.S. economy is undergoing accelerating inflation, the lowest consumer sentiment in history, the Russia-Ukraine war, low consumer savings rates, and record high debt levels. The government pumps trillions of dollars into the economy in 2021. 2022 is the complete opposite of that with the government pulling back trillions of dollars out of the economy. Gates is especially concerned about the artificial trap that the Fed created for themselves. The economy is currently being hit by a double-edged sword. One edge of the sword is accelerating inflation, and the other edge is the massive level of government debt. The government now has two choices, to destroy the US dollar, or crash the economy at the risk of popping the debt bubble. The Fed has decided to go with the second choice of slowing the economy at the risk of an unprecedented collapse. We recently saw the Fed raise interest rates by 75 basis points, which is the largest increase since 1994. This increase helps substantially with slowing inflation, but it comes at substantial risk. First of all, raising rates that sharply means that borrowing will cost significantly more for business investments and mortgages. Rates on the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage recently increased by the largest one-week jump in 35 years. If this increase in interest rates slows the economy too much, it could pop the existing debt bubble and spiral the economy into a recession or depression. So since we last talked, um, small thing has happened. Russia has invaded Ukraine, and it feels like we're in a new world. We are going to be seeing higher energy prices, higher food prices for years to come. It seems difficult to see how this resolves itself very quickly. What does that say to you about the economic outlook for the next few years? Well, it comes on top of the pandemic where government debt levels were already very, very high and there were already some su supply chain problems. And so it's you know likely to accelerate the inflationary problems that rich world economies have and you know force an increase in interest rates that eventually will uh, result in an economic slowdown. So I'm afraid the the bears on this one have a a pretty strong argument that that concerns me a lot. The bear thesis that Gates is talking about makes complete sense. A surge in oil prices is strongly correlated with recessions. 
The gray areas in this chart are periods in which the US economy was in a recession. You can see how every time Brent crude oil crosses $100 per barrel, a recession almost always follows. Brent crude oil is currently at roughly $120 per barrel, signaling that a recession is coming. The reason why a recession almost always follows oil prices breaking $100. This could also make sense as to why the Nigerian guy was taken out. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, niobium is making rounds. It is now, uh, you know, one of the most important elements for electronic vehicles. Don't say I didn't tell you. I really wish I, you know, I'm not supposed to use anything for my benefits. So, um, I think I paid the price for buying those 700 shares. That was a big problem. But I want you guys to pay attention. What he dumped, SMP, listen carefully. These are all ETFs. I want you to listen to this and listen very carefully. This is a very nice discussion. Sweet contrarian, the heartbeat trade controversy. Zach, welcome to the show for the first time. Rachel, you're regular. Zach, how did this story come about? I used to write about taxes a lot, so I know... You actually like won a Pulitzer for writing about taxes, right? I did. That's kind of a big deal. Congratulations. Thank well, you. Oh, oh, what Thanks. was the story on that you won it for? It was about um, companies that uh, acquire a foreign uh, address to no longer be American so they, they can pay lower taxes. And Tax inversions. Exactly. Yeah. Like Apple? Uh, they, they didn't do that, but they did a lot of other interesting things with their taxes, <laughs> for sure. They, they, they're the ones who had the Irish company that was, um, that was a tax resident of nowhere. It was The Irish thought it was American, and the Americans thought it was Irish, so it was a tax resident of, tricky. of nowhere. Yeah, tricky. Very tricky. So you yeah. know a few things about taxes. Well, I know a few people. I've, I've stayed in touch with a few people, and one of them mentioned last year, you should really write about this thing. Uh, in the ETF world. And I know nothing about e ETFs. I barely even knew what ETF stood for. And so I contacted- Welcome to Trillions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I contacted Rachel, who knows everything about ETFs. And she kind of um, explained, you know, using small words, she kind of helped explain it to me. So I, I'm just going to go circle back to the thing that I explained well, in another show a while ago, you know, Aside from people trying to say, oh, that's debunked or we don't have this. I did tell you I trained and I got all my series licenses from the SEC. I wasn't a broker, but I trained as one. Series 7, Series 24, Series 3, Series 63, the blue sky, you know, for New York. Again, this is my domain. I've said it. Energy and money <laughs> were always my thing. So I want you guys to understand it sounds complicated, but it's really not. They create it out of thin air. They're manufacturing the inflation. They're dumping it into real assets while you're sitting there with your thumb up your ass. You think they're sending money to Ukraine. They're covering deficits. They're covering the union shit that I told you about in 2019 about Amalgamated Bank. I even put the case of the SEC there where Wilbur Ross literally bailed them out because they weren't ready for that. And they were not going to be able to win another seat and have Hillary win if it didn't happen. It's all in my articles about Amalgamated Bank. Bank, which is right around the time when everyone, you know, started talking shit. And apparently this manufactured, you know, you know, I, I, I hat tip Gavin, right? A lot. Gavin's like, I don't know how people believe that website with all those fake metal shits. 
they know that you can make whatever. Like there was a page for freaking Poopy Girl and Ali Akbar on there. Yet they use it as evidence. So it's important to understand. And Tori, how do you know about these heart trades? Well, huh? Whenever Brennan was in a sticky situation, that was the choice of poison to remedy money. Uh, it's not rocket science. I observed all of it. I told you guys I worked at UBS under my actual name because they fucked up and that was my bag. You know, they were upset and I was like, no, 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 it'll be fine. No one will know. We, you know, the, the system has been muddled. Nine months I spent at the United Bank of Switzerland in their fucking records division. The people are just too dumb to listen to what someone is telling them. People are too dumb to get off their high horses and say, you know what? Maybe there's some things that we can't explain, but this bitch has been on point. And, and you know what? Consistency is key here. I am explaining to you what the trick is. They're not really floating. They're just standing on one leg. You know, that's what um, Ricky Gervais had said. And I was like, that was perfect. And now we see that the IRS is, you know, doing things. Oh, somebody's trying to save us. And that's them. Who's them? It's definitely not Pelosi and them. Those are their front people. I mean, you never go for the core. And if you search the Tory said, I'll say, damn, President Trump should have been paying attention to the peripherals rather than the stomach, the peripherals, the states, this, that, this, that. See, these are all the information is right in front of you and it stops the minute you say no. But the thing is, even those that are supposedly fighting for our nation, supposedly fighting for our liberty and freedom are also fighting to maintain control of the situation. What the fuck? While you're battling out to maintain control to govern this new nation, you are fucking us up. Just humble yourself. See, pro people have a problem with being humble. They have a problem with being humble. It's all about them. Fame, whores, greed, you know, that they're going to do it. Uh, oh, General Flynn is bad. Who said that? Roger Stone is bad. Who said that? Patrick Byrne is bad. Who said that? <sighs> I told you in 2020, Ali Akbar, Roger Stone, and Alex Jones would be the reason they will indict the president. Does it mean that all of them are bad? Not necessarily. Because then you have to define bad. Again, objectivity, you guys. Objectivity. I get so irritated when I don't see objectivity. Take a step back. Take a step back and shut your mouth when you're running it on your platforms and take a look at what you're doing. You know, it's so insane. Like I said, it's like two titans fighting on top of us and we're the damn byproduct of getting killed. President Trump, and I want you to pay attention to these words very carefully. President Trump said he's giving you back the nation. Every single thing happening to him, every single thing that happened to him, every single thing that will happen to him was so that you accept your nation 
into your own hands. It is important sometimes that you force the person to try to put the shirt on themselves like your kid. You leave them to the side and you're like, look, mommy and daddy have their hands hogtied. We're getting flogged. We're getting flogged. Please put your shirt on. And the kid's screaming, I can't put my shirt on. Right? Please put your shirt on. I can't help you. I'm busy being flogged. Look, mommy and daddy are being flogged. Put your shirt on. And then you have losers coming in. Don't worry. Here, put on this wife beater. Or, hey, I'll help you. No, don't help them put on anything unless you want to be called the person that helped. He did exactly that. Everything he is going through is exactly that. And unfortunately, people that are good people, geez, they're good people, have taken upon themselves to make themselves what saves it. They need a savior. And that's the problem. That is the problem. You know, when people ask me, huh, Tori, why why did you move to Ohio when you left? Well, after the federal government was like, we're really sorry for what happened you, to you, Tori. I'm like, okay, is my kid clear to go? Can can we can you know? I want to leave. Oh no no no! Of course. Why why Ohio? Because in Ohio, with God, all things are possible. That's actually the state motto. That is the state motto. And the thing is, we have so many people out there muddling things and so many people that hate truth. And then, you know, that's the thing. You have content in your heart when demons take hold of you. And that demon could be greed and ego, right? Anything that person does makes you shriek. It's like the liberals, you know, when they hear about let's protect life, they start shrieking. Ah, what if a nine-year-old is pregnant? Yeah, no doctor's going to say, I think we should have an abortion because the kid is fucking nine if the kid wants to have an abortion. Right? They shriek at the name of Donald Trump. You hear the word Trump, they start screaming. They break out in rashes. That's how people respond to anyone who speaks truth. And that's the problem. They start to hate the truth because it irritates the hidden demon within, whatever that is. That's the whole, so many secret demons lie within you. And it only takes one thing, one nice stroke, one nice word to activate it. And then it overtakes you. What is that American Indian story? You know, don't feed the bear because then the bear will eat you. Greece, we have don't drink alcohol if it's drinking you, right? <clears throat> this is where we're at. People focused on having one savior and they're waiting for Gandalf to come or this, you know, hidden team. <laughs> so hidden. 
Jeez. Rather than looking to themselves, every single one of you are just as strong as every single one of them. Even more. You need to stop looking for a savior and look to yourself. Bootstraps. President Trump symbolizes our liberty. President Trump gave us our nation. And what are you doing with it? You're looking to hand it over to some other guy who's like, well, I'm, I know what I'm talking about. Look at me. I'm here. I'm on TV. Everybody loves me. And I know everything. And it's like, stop. Stop. You're only just as powerful as the people giving it to you. But unfortunately, while you guys call the left sheep, have you seen the right? Have you seen the right? They're insane. They are completely insane. They, 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 how many of you went down the rabbit holes of AOC fucking being the transfer of heart? How many of you, here are some of the comments that, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, someone flipped to the good side, an organ trade, you know, uh, somebody was sacrificed. Come on. And then people, we're going to destroy Ray with this. Dude, that's like one segment of a shit ton of, you know, 302s and shit. Stop. Stop. Ray is a suicide spy. What does that mean? What does that mean? Like, come on. Discernment is the most important thing a human being has discern what's, uh, you know, in a three, three dimensional, what's a paper, what's a pencil, what, what you see in front of you discernment, your eyes discern colors, your ears discern sound. Like what the fuck? Where's your brain? Discernment. Discernment is important. I'm not more important than anyone else. No, I just have a big mouth and I just stick to facts. I allude only to prov provoke thought, but I give you straight ass facts. All of this should be making sense. You know, with all the, Bill Gates is buying all the land. Why is he buying all the land? That's what you should be focusing on. Not fucking that he's doing it. If you pay attention, you know, I remember when I was in grad school or was it undergrad class? Shit. I, I forget. And I was, I was taking the graduate level class, I guess, plant physiology. My, it should be somewhere. I have it on some drive. I could share it. The professor, great guy, uh, you know, amazing guy. Um, he said, you know, so plants migrated to land. And I remember when he said that, he just kept saying that while we were going through uh, the whole physiology, you know, the whole physics of it. That's what the whole course was. I actually got a really low grade because I refused, refused to accept it. And my paper is stellar, by the way. Um, I refused to accept it. Nothing does shit. It's not like one day algae woke up in the ocean and said, you know what? I think I want to move to land. Fuck the water. Like, I'm trying to explain that in layman terms. Like someone tells you, yeah, plants one day, they migrated to land. Why did they migrate? They just did. Was there any reason for it? They just did. 
Gates dropped S&P 500s and 100s and he's dumping his EFTs. He's he's redeeming them and throwing them into land. <gasps> he's buying up all the land to make some freaking Jones, you know, cult. No, he's not. Pay attention. Why is he dumping the EFTs? Why is he getting into tangible assets? I see. See, the why is more important than the out than what is going on. Why is President Trump pushing the vaccine? You're not paying attention. So no matter what anybody tells you, you're so infuriated with what is coming out that you're not paying attention. Why does President Trump have Brad Parscal next to him in his team because of this? Because you're still not paying attention. Why this? You're still not paying attention. Why that? You're still not paying attention. Don't focus on the why that that this person is here and therefore you need to understand the motivation. Uh, what, What was Comey? How did he call that again? Intent. There we go. The intent. The intent. Other people's property are a lot easier to get richer off of. So as you can see, you know, Bill Gates is getting a shit ton richer. And you're getting a shit ton poorer. You do understand that more than 400 ETFs are are investing in U.S. stocks. And collectively, they have reduced the 2018 capital gains that investors realized by $211 billion through, get this, in-kind redemptions. You should look at the text for in-kind redemptions or redemption. Redemption is key. I've always said this. (laughs) 